All right, I'm actor, writer, director, and sometimes DJ Diallo Riddle. And I'm producer, DJ, and songwriter Luxury, a.k.a. the guy who talks about interpolation on the internet. And whispers about it, too. I do. Uh, this, Guilty. This one song today, oh my God, we're talking about a postmodern, transcendent, genre-bending smash hit. No, oh, well said. That's right, Diallo. It's a song built on a bedrock of samples from disco records, funk, jazz, Exotica, a whole potpourri of different sources, and it's My not just. Didn't let me go in the exotica section. I just put that. <laughs> I was that was that was behind a curtain, like yeah. a beat a beaded curtain. Yeah, kids weren't allowed back there. Um, it's not just the samples that are all over the map. So was the band. They right. drew on their influences from Asia, Europe, and the East Village. And don't forget Queens. The hip hop in the song comes via Queens. This song features cameos from a hip hop luminary and a funk icon. It was ranked by Pitchfork and VH1 as one of the best songs of the 90s. It's often called out as one of the decade's best party tunes. Rolling Stone, they can't be wrong. They listed it as one of the 500 best songs of all time. And as a DJ who's done more weddings than I can count, it's still a feel-good classic that gets the over 40s people to the dance floor. That's right. You're listening to one song, The Atlantic rated the 23rd best podcast <laughs> in the world. I will I will stop milking that. No, no, no. We're number 23 now. like Jordan. Let's keep milking. I'm enjoying milking that. <laughs> uh, and the song we're talking about today is D-Light's Groove is in the Heart. Dig. Shout out to U.S. Soy and the United Soy Bean Board for supporting this episode of One Song and for giving our podcast studio an unbelievably smooth, sustainable makeover. Here on our show, we dive deep into the music, dissecting every beat and lyric. Sustainability is just like that. Each eco-friendly choice we make is like a single note that contributes to life's melody. That's why Heartbeat and the USB are teaming up to lead the discussion around greening Hollywood. We're talking slashing the carbon footprint of production with soy-based alternatives like soy-based inks for printing scripts, soy foam for soundproofing studios, and even biodiesel generators to power sets. To see our sustainable studio transformation, watch the Tears for Fears episode of One Song and see behind-the-scenes clips of how we pulled the whole look together. It's all on at Heartbeat Audio on YouTube, and the link is in our show notes. Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music-filled trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com. I love Okay, so look, I know you have a lot of personal history with this song. Um, oh my God, this just, is absolutely, this is such a key song for me. I believe Can't it. wait to talk about it. Yeah. I can't wait to talk about it. It's released in the summer of 1990, and it's easily the song of the summer. This song went number one in several countries and ruled the Billboard dance chart. How did you first hear this song, and what's going on in your life back then? I mean, this song came out when I was just starting my freshman year of college. I'm in Washington, D.C. I'm the music director at my school um, or working at the radio station, at least. I, this is relevant music because... Music director at the school? I, I was, I think, going to soon be the music director, but oh. I was at the radio station, the point of which is we get all these free records. Mm -hmm. So I got the World Click record. That's D-Light's debut album. I actually got it like very early on in the school year. And while this was happening, we were also, all me and my friends were going to Trax, which is this legendary gay nightclub just outside of D.C. So my experience coming into into college in this moment was like, house music was starting to happen and was starting to be a thing that I was exposed to. Mm -hmm. And it was also starting to be on the pop charts with Delight's Groove is in the Heart. Madonna's Vogue is also in the same yeah. year. So this is an interesting moment where there's a crossover happening, basically. Absolutely. But I'm, I'm also kind of in the trenches a little bit where, in retrospect, it's kind of so cool that I was I got to be there because at the time, like we'd see this guy named Kevin, Kevin Aviance, and everyone would be like all starstruck about him. And he <laughs> sort of turned into a legendary like RuPaul like drag icon in the later years and in fact he right. put out a record uh, i will say the name of it if we have to bleep it out so be it but he put out the record cunty 
which uh, Beyonce sampled in on, on Renaissance. Uh, which so, song like, was that? The song the song is um, pure pure honey. That's yeah, right. yeah, love yeah. That song. It should cost a billion to look this. I see you want it and you're coming for me. So this person was just there at this club that we would go to, and we would sort of worship him from afar. All this to say that, like, this was a moment for me where electronic music was itself in the world beginning to happen in, in dance music in this yeah. new way, with house music being starting to filter out from its origins in, in Chicago. Yeah. And uh, it, it hit my ears, it hit the radio's ears, it hit Madonna's ears. So it's all kind of like crossing over. <laughs> everybody, this I yeah. feel like everybody was really into this into this song. And and look, you know, like. Admittedly, I'm in junior high, I think, when this song comes out. And so my only interaction with it was really through MTV. But I remember the second I saw it, it just seemed like this really right. That cool video is world. so amazing. The video is iconic. It's the video iconic, is iconic. Yeah. If, you, if, you, if you remember it at the time and you haven't thought about it in a while, yeah. go back and look at that video. You will remember things that you have totally not <laughs> thought about in 30 and 40, very long time. But also rewatching it, I, I'd forgotten about how like in Zoolander, when they do the like Frankie's Hollywood, <laughs> totally. like hypnotism Looks dance, just like it's it. the same thing. It's, it's the, the round thing behind them. It's the little heads popping up. The little up. heads popping yeah. in. <laughs> and I mean, like, I, I will say the same thing. I, I feel like, you know, for for me, again, digesting this as a, as a young teenager, delight. Uh, B-52s were doing Love Shack around this time. <laughs> There was so much like too, yeah. sort of like daisy daisy hippie like 60s iconography right. going on. It's that iconography but there's also like this sort of retro and kitsch factor where there's yeah. this sort of 70s and 60s oh, elements that are coming into the music but with like a, an ironic wink. You know there's this is an era <laughs> like winks. there kind of wasn't like irony didn't really exist until of course it existed <laughs> but like as a mass phenomenon like people were pretty like on the nose in in the mainstream and then you kind of get this sort of maybe Dave Letterman starts to bring irony to the masses. I'm not really sure what had happened. Interesting. But by the time we get to the B-52s, Love Shack, and Delight, Groove is in the Heart, it's like you can you can kind of the read. Are bad. Yeah. You're, you're kind of able way. to read that there's a little bit of humor happening with the choice of this like funky bassline from disco music, which <laughs> yeah. also sounds cool. So you can kind of have your cake and eat it. Well, that's too. the thing. It's like I said earlier, it's a postmodern song. It's got that's a great word it's for got it. a disco sample. It's got the you know, the I won't jump the gun here, but it's got the jazz sample, let's say, from the soundtrack to the movie Blow Up from the sixties. And again, as a kid, just digesting this video, like I had never, I didn't know who Boosie Collins was. Right. I was like, I didn't either. That's weird old black guy too. with right. the glasses. By the way, he was probably like in his 30s then. But to me, <laughs> he seemed like he was 100 years right, old. Right, right, right. You know, I knew Q-Tip because I was like, you know, into hip hop. I knew a tribe called Quest, but like, I was like, who's the lady in the outfit doing the seductive dance moves? And who are these quirky guys who look like they work at a record store in Atlanta's you know, little five point. Shout out to Wax and Facts. I used to go there all the time and see people who like look like these. It was like a door it was like opening an art to a whole had exploded other world. Right. onto an MTV video. Right. It was crazy. Um, well said. <laughs> I, I just, I, I think. By, by the way, Austin Powers hasn't come out yet, so I feel like there was just a lot of like '60s retro. I was also a big. Pee Wee Herman fan, yeah, and a lot of the stuff in Pee Wee's Playhouse. Oh, that's that another great example. Show, You're right. Yeah, look like it was kitsch. out of a. That's another kitsch. Yeah. getting the mainstream example. Great example. It looked like B fifty two and Devo. And Devo had sort of been doing it too. It'd been not to irony wasn't invented, but certainly there were lots of. There's an underground kind of cultural counterculture alt culture thing yeah. that was starting to bubble into the mainstream absolutely early 80s maybe whip it you can draw a straight line from whip it through the b-52s <laughs> to delight and they're kind of all of a piece of sort of subversive culture kind of questioning but also celebrating american pop trash you know what i mean all of <laughs> these things that came before and i think this goes towards why we chose this song one thing we always do on the show is we try to bring to light why these songs we cover matter what makes them part of this musical Smithsonian we're building? <laughs> I love so, that. That's yeah, great. Is, I would musical love to visit the musical Smithsonian. We are the musical Smithsonian. <laughs> we're the curators of the musical Smithsonian. That's great. What What is so special about Grooves in the Heart to you? I mean, musically speaking. Yeah, so just to sort of summarize a little what we've been talking about, we were talking about how the band Delight, and we'll talk a little bit about the individuals, how they bring their own experiences literally into the music. So their choice of records that they sample and the choice of sounds that they're making comes a lot from their backgrounds. But this is really interesting because it's in this moment where we've just been having big sampley records are happening. We I talk about big sampley records all the time because <laughs> there's this tiny moment where you've got sort of in 88, 80, 91, it's when 
hip hop has reached kind of an apex as an art form. It's gotten to Absolutely. this point yeah. where part of the art is the collage of samples sure. phenomena. So you have Public Enemy, Nation the of Millions. Squad. Yeah. You have Three Feet High and Rising. Like 200 samples in them. You got Three Feet High and Rising by De La Soul. Yep. You get Paul's Boutique by Beastie Boys. And it's interesting as I was listening back to this record, I realized you sort, sort of add this to that group because. World Click by D-Light, in particular, this song, Groove is in the Heart, has at least 11 samples that I was able to track. <laughs> yeah. So that's not something you could really do anymore. This was a moment where the lawsuits basically had not started to hit. So doesn't, doesn't, I feel like even like D-Light theme, yeah. that's a song, like, that song sounds like a hip-hop record of the period because of all the There's a really looping. interesting connection, I think, yeah. between hip-hop, which literalizes itself in this song, yeah. right, as we'll talk about later when we have our guest, our guest 16 bars, and we'll talk about Q-Tip in a minute. <laughs> So I think it's really interesting to make that connection. It's also interesting because in this moment, you know, sometimes we talk about how Daft Punk's pyramid at Coachella in 2006, it was a breakthrough moment culturally because yeah. that generation, a certain generation, there had been kind of a gap between the disco demolition in 1980 <laughs> and 2006 where yeah. dance music was a little underground, but it actually popped its head up a couple times in between. Sure. Famously, the Chemical Brothers and Prodigy a few years later. Fatboy Slim. But in 1990... Dance music also popped its head up for a minute with yep. this song. And it's easy to kind of forget that there is a post-disco demolition, disco sucks, America, music house and disco and everything yeah. are underground. And they are, but every now and then they pop their head they up sure for, a, for a, a huge, massive global smash like this song. Absolutely. I mean, I think about like Heavy D came out around this period with Now That We Found Love, which is basically yeah. a house trap. Right. And him rapping, hey, you, what we going to do? You know, like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, there are a lot of hip hop artists jumping onto tracks and that made them edgy. I'm remembering uh, US3 with Cantaloupe and, oh, God. and stuff like that. We're not going to talk One about One of my US least 3, favorite songs of all time. I know. Funky, funky. Everybody's, funky. everybody's oh, got an opinion God. on that song. Funky, funky. Feel the beat drop, jazz and hip hop. Dripping in your dome makes its own and bop. Um, I think the Blue Note guys really liked it. It, it was like hip hop that these you know old jazz musicians on Blue Note could really get down with. But <laughs> we say all that just to say that like this is the sound of early '90s New York and early '90s dance. In fact, I, I was reading some of the um, contemporary reviews of this song, and they call it a house song, which I always considered it more of a disco song, even yeah. when it came out then. But because it has like a house BPM, right. It was considered, you know, by some of these, you know, journalists. And, and so much of that proto-house is just a disco sample with an 808. This is sure. not an 808 drum machine necessarily. Yeah. I'm actually not sure what drum... No, I take it back. I know that there are no drum machines in this song. <laughs> so it is technically not a house music track, maybe just because there's no 808 or 909 in the mix. Uh, so but it's interesting you say UK, that. In the UK, it was a double A-side yeah. single. And the other side was uh, "What Is Love," which oh, sounds like that song an amazing is, house. That is record. still a that is a, a that monster. Sounds like twenty twenty four. It could be Absolutely. like "What Is Love." Honestly, the whole record. I mean, I have a feeling we might have to touch on the one hit wonder nature of how this song and this band is perceived. But frankly, World Click still stands the test I of time as a great talk about album. The, whether they're a one hit wonder a little <laughs> later in the show. <laughs> okay, so one thing about this song is that I think everyone of a certain age knows it, but I'd guess most people know far less about the band. Talk us through it. Who are D Light, spelled with? Three E's, luxury, spelled with two X's. <laughs> so D-Light are a band that form in New York. The, the, the nucleus is Lady Miss Keir, Keir Kirby, who's... A, I'm glad a, you told me how to pronounce her name because I was scared to... Keir, it's Keir. <laughs> yeah, Lady Miss Keir, yeah. Keir Kirby from uh, from Ohio. She meets... She's, it, it's 1982 and she meets uh, a DJ, DJ Dimitri Brill, who's yeah. from Ukraine but who moved to the U.S. when he was a teenager. Yeah. Um, and I thought he was the DJ in the band. Yeah, I mean, he. <laughs> it's interesting. The two of them really form the the, the songwriting nucleus of the mm -hmm. band. And it kind of happens accidentally because Dimitri is a DJ. He's on the scene. He's like a resident at all the big hot clubs of the moment. In New and York. In New York, yeah. Mm -hmm. This is all in New York. Early 80s New York City. And so Lady Lady Miss Kier, she comes to be known later. She's a fashion designer and a textile designer. And she's not, in, she's not a musician at all, but they start dating. And one night they take LSD and she starts <laughs> singing. And the next day, Dimitri's like, you have a good voice. We should write some music. And that's the beginning of the two of them starting to write songs together was this sort of accidental LSD experience of, of you know, vocal discovery. Oh, so that's interesting. So, like so many groups, this, this group sort of grew out of a couple. Grew out of a couple, grew out of this yeah. accidental LSD experience. Um, Which also explains the video. I feel like watching that video again, 
it's it's an LA, it's a it's trip. so trippy it's a trip it's so trippy it's very psychedelic they're bringing all that 70s kind of cliche stuff back again with a wink you know yeah. the sort of like oh my god what do you call the the, the lamp the lava lamp like oh, all that lava, lava lamp, lamp graphics <laughs> like in the 70s if you ever watched the like velvet underground there's always like a lava lamp video thing going on behind them Might be they bring all that back room. <laughs> with a wink and a nod yeah absolutely another kind of interesting accident that leads to their starting to be a band is um you know lady miss Keir tells the story about it. she says in 1986 i found 500 dollars in the back of a cab and bought my first sampler and that allowed oh, her that as, is the best that's so great and as a non-musician <laughs> and, and by the way this is in 1986 she had the wherewithal to think i want to make music but i'm not a musician dollars in a cab in yeah. 1986 <laughs> and spent it on a sampler there was uh, probably tons of residue on that let's, let's slow the story down let's talk about the 500 dollars in the cab <laughs> i don't know about this 500 dollars <laughs> What would you do if you found five hundred dollars in a cab? I don't in know, but I think someone got killed <laughs> when they showed up and they didn't have that five hundred dollars. It's true. Can I just say real quick, <laughs> super short anecdote. One time, Bashir and I, my writing partner Bashir and I, went to a nightclub, and as I walked, and we were like in our twenties and flat broke. And as I walked across the dance floor, I saw some money, and I just picked it up, and I counted it, and it was two hundred and sixty dollars, all in twenties. Can you? I felt like a Rockefeller. <laughs> like I can't tell you how many jams that got me out of. Like it was just like a magic. It was like Mario when he finds a coin. Like but like one of the but one of the bricks with lots of coins. Wait, when you find this money, are you like like looking around or are you like worried someone's going to stole it? Dude, I put that in my pocket so fast. I went. Actually, it's a good point. I went to the bar where Bashir was. I was like, dude, we got to get out of here. I was like, we got to go. He's like, what happened? I was like, I'll no, explain no. later. I was like, but we just came up. We were roommates at the time, so. We ate like kings. Sizzler. We're going to the Sizzler tonight. Steak, seafood, and salad. Damn, what a combo. Surf and turf. So she finds this money in the back of a cab. She buys her first sampler. And uh, again, the wherewithal to think, I'm not a musician, but I want to make music. In 1986, to know to buy a sampler and that you can piece together songs from that. Because it's kind of happening in the world for the first time. Like now we take for granted. You can piece together some samples, some loops, etc. Are you are you going to tell me that she and he co-produced this? Because I thought yeah. he produced it, and so she was a co-producer. So it's cool because the name of she they formed an entity like a production entity called Sampladelic Productions. If you look at the record, it's produced by Delight Sampladelic Productions. It's just the two of them <laughs> that all tracks. And the third person they brought in was DJ Toate, who's who I love yes. and have followed for. Years. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. His solo later. work is great too. He's yeah. amazing. He gets. He comes into the picture, and what he brings to the table is his record collection mm. as a DJ and mm-hmm. as a collector of these more esoteric records. He's a Japanese Korean born uh, DJ who moved to New York yeah. and moves to the United States. They all meet on the club scene in the late '80s, and he becomes the third and and you know the and missing the way, piece he for had the band. Just got into town. I mm-hmm. love that story. Yeah. He just got into town, and immediately he's on like the hottest song yeah. in the world, and makes a, a massive contribution because. So the story of Groove is in the heart as a song. Lady Miss Keir says that she'd actually already had the lyrics written separately, wow. and then DJ Dimitri Brill was one of his favorite songs to play when he was a DJ. And uh, not to jump the gun a little bit on the stems, but because the stories are merged, the <laughs> stems are mostly samples outside of the vocals. Here's the song that he would love to play as a DJ in his DJ sets. Yeah. This song is Herbie Hancock, Bring Down the Birds, from the blow-up soundtrack, if you've seen the movie, yeah. Michelangelo Antonioni. <laughs> so 60s. So go-go. It's it's a hot tune on its own. I mean, Man. you can understand, what, but it's so cool that he's playing this, right? Think about the, yeah. the tempo and the sound. Like that's unusual. That's a cool part. That's a cool. If you can party. play this yeah. and the people don't throw eggs at you, <laughs> as we know, everybody goes to the club yeah. with eggs in their pocket. Ready it's so to throw. fast. It's like a '60s go-go jam. I love 1966. That. I love yeah. that. That tells me a lot about the parties that he was probably DJing. Yeah, yeah. Very also, eclectic. We talk a lot on this show about Quincy Jones and the path that his career took. Mm-hmm. I don't think enough is said about Herbie Hancock. I mean, like he goes from that era, Herbie. Hancock to like the jazz fusion, yes. Herbie Hancock that gets sampled more often in hip hop to like Rocket, which was the first time my ears ever heard scratching. scratching. Me too. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, like you know, 
at some point we got to give Herbie his flowers. Oh my God, Herbie is crucial. He's yeah. crucial to the song too, because not only he's actually the only credited songwriter outside of the band, the band. and, and Q Tip for his yeah. rap for his sixteen bars later on. Um, and he's also got two samples in this song because he's sampled as Herbie Hancock, but one of his other entities, the Headhunters, also appears as one of the samples used in the song. Oh, I can't wait to hear yeah. that. Yeah, so we'll, we'll get into all the samples, that. rich with samples. We'll get into that in just a minute. To finish the story of how the band meets, so we've got the three of them. They they come up with this name, which um, you know clearly has some connection to. I, I haven't heard them tell the story about like that they took it from D Light Records, which was Cool in the Gang's label. Oh, that's but right. I hadn't some about connection, that connection, like you know, that's if, wow. you, if you ever get an old Cool in the Gang record, it's with two E's, but it's D E dash Light L I T E. Ah, so uh, it's very similar. It's probably probably connection there, but there's also the Cole Porter <laughs> what song. If somebody was like. <laughs> For that label was like, oh, we've got a lawsuit. <laughs> Gonna get some of that Groove of the Heart money. Yay! <laughs> they also probably were connected to the Cole Parter song. It's D Lovely. You know, there's the yeah. song where there's another song well, on the record that's where she says song starts off. Right. Oh, you're right. It's in the song. Yeah. How do you say D Lovely? How do you say, say D Lovely? Delight. Yeah. Delight. Delight. All right. Well, after the break, we're gonna play some of the samples from Groove is in the Heart, and I guarantee you. This song has some samples that are absolute chef's kiss. You have not heard them before. <laughs> We're going to play them. Stay tuned. Thanks to the U.S. Soy and the United Soybean Board for the sustainable makeover of our podcast studio and for sparking discussions on greener Hollywood production. Just like notes in a song, sustainable living is just a series of small, eco-friendly choices that contribute to the melody. Check out the Tears for Fears episode of One Song and see behind-the-scenes clips of how they pulled the whole look together. It's all on at Heartbeat Audio on YouTube, and the link is in our show notes. Did you know Bridgestone developed a tire using 75% recycled and renewable materials? Making a difference today for future generations. That's what really matters. Bridgestone, solutions for your journey. Visit whatreallymatters.com to learn more. You haven't heard about the McCrispy yet? Well then, you probably haven't heard the sweet silence after the first crispy bite either. Go try it for yourself to hear the best not sound you've ever heard. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. All right, welcome back to One Song. All right, so this song is almost entirely built on samples. I know that there's some original vocals that exactly, were applied, yeah. but like this isn't a case where like the band got in the studio and even really supplied like a bass line or like a guitar there. Like explain to us like how unusual this song is. Well, you know, we talked a little bit before about the era of sampley sampliness happening on the hip hop side. It's also been happening to be fair. It's happening on the electronic side as well. Both the worlds of hip hop and dance music have a, a big part of their lineage is using, you know, reusing recorded material and adding you know, drum machines and vocals to that. They've done that in this song. So they're definitely carrying on the tradition of dance music in the post-disco era in the sort of house. That's kind of what house music starts to do that's new and different is add 909s in, in drum machines yeah. to loops and vocals. So they've done all that, but actually there isn't even the drum machine. That's crazy. That's what's so unusual. Yeah. They just purely use the They literally the beats, made right. a collage of sound yeah. with pre-recorded material. And even when you've got the Bomb Squad or DJ Premier, it's like they are generally adding something of like an yeah, anyway, just to like Always, always yeah. something in addition to the samples. Not always, but frequently enough that it's still, there's Damn enough in always. the sample. I, I, yeah. I can't think of too many hip-hops. What's funny is every now and then, like, Ghostface Killer uh, will literally just rap over the song. Like, he'll leave the vocals in and everything. And yeah, that can be put cool. put his vocals over it. But that's essentially what they did here. Like, there's no, to be clear, there's no band session of right. delight in the that's studio recording right. There are no instruments music. that they're playing. Although, on stage later on, and yeah. Dimitri is a performer, and mm -hmm. you mentioned the song. He was how, in a band before. How, he they, was in yeah. many bands before. Actually, they all, part of the backstory is that they were all failing, and yeah. Lady Miss Keir felt bad for him. And so, like, <laughs> they the, the whole origin of the band was a little bit, like, you know, trying to help him have his 
band <laughs> fantasy yeah, come to life. Yeah. And live, he does sometimes early footage of the band. Actually, they would be he would be playing guitar, and sometimes he plays keyboards. Um, but for this song, none of that's happening. They yeah. didn't add any keyboards, any any live instrumentation, except. And we'll get to this in a minute. There are some live horns, and they're not just any horn players. Oh, These yes. are some special horn players. There's, 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 we will some, get to there's that. a story there. We'll we get, will to, get that. to that. But you have some samples you want to play for us. So, what do you want to play for us first? All right. So, let's start with that drum beat. This is a sample from a song by Vernon Birch from 1979. It's called Get Up. That's what it sounds like. There's a little drum break. And they sample the drum break. That's a cla- in classic hip hop slash dance music tradition. Yeah, it's all about the break. You find a but bar where a there's nothing else happening but beats, yeah. and you grab that. And you grab it. And you grab do it. Do me a favor. Play this song from the beginning, though. And here's how it goes into that break. Here we go. That's so crazy. Oh, don't forget this other part of the song which you're about to recognize. Here it comes. That crucial that crucial whistle. <laughs> this is not my theory. This is somebody okay. else uh, said, but they were like they probably could have gotten away with sampling this and you know, maybe people wouldn't have been able to figure out what song they had sampled, but it's almost like they left in the slide whistle <laughs> just so they could be like, hey, guys, we're not trying to be sneaky here. Yeah. It's that song that you know. You know, I did a deep dive on this uh, with the help of my, my, my friend on the inside, who I mentioned on a previous episode. And while you, we don't know on the master side, in the era, they sometimes paid 100 bucks to the record label, like on Paul's Boutique. A lot of these big sampling records, mm-hmm. when they didn't just try and get away with it, which history does there's no record yeah. of, of which samples yeah. they did that on they would often pay a pretty small sum because this was the early days of sampling yeah nobody knew how much to charge for yeah, this stuff. you know what it really depended and um sometimes they just try to get away with it on the publishing side i can tell you definitively that the only sample that was cleared on the publishing side was the herbie hancock was the herbie hancock one which which forms the basis that main baseline that runs through the entire song all right, well, that's that's super fascinating. Uh, what's the next sample you have for us? Well, let's keep it moving. There's a lot of percussion breaks. I'll just really quickly run through them because all of these play the part. And actually, this is kind of a cool expression the artists themselves used because they had these kind of building blocks of the song, that main drum beat, that main Herbie Hancock thing. But then they would have a lot of these little momentary, what they called fill-ins. So it's a really, like just mm-hmm. for a moment, something happens just to have more yeah. oral interest. Stuff happening. By the way, when I say oral interest, I mean A-U-R-A-L. Because <laughs> there's more than one kind of Nobody oral interest. Nobody thought that until you just well, clarified. as it came out of my mouth, I realized that it could have been, okay. I'm as just it gonna came out of your mouth. Oh, okay, you know what? Give the guy a break. Oral interest can mean many things. The In one this song, show. The One Song Nation knows A-U-R-A-L. That's a good presumption. If I'm saying oral... I probably mean they're a very smart listener. They're <laughs> they a very right. smart. Li- they download yeah. every week, and they're with us. But that anyway, phoning is reserved for audio. Let's hear some of these oral fixations that you have coming no, up for us. That's not what they are. <laughs> this is uh, one of the percussion breaks from Ray Barretta's "Right On" 1972. Right? You recognize this? I'll play it for you. Yeah, in the mix. that's a, that's a, that's a really noticeable. Yeah, one. that's yeah. right before the second verse. Watch out! Right, exactly. Yeah. I'll play it in the mix now. By the way, I knew exactly where you knew exactly Bootsy where that was. Chimed in with a watch out. <laughs> so props to me too. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Well done. Starving for a couple bit. Let's play just a couple more of these percussion moments. This is fun. I like to isolate the scratches sometimes and you can hear how imprecise they were. Because this is a human, presumably DJ Toa Tay, <laughs> on the, like literally on the decks, scratching this in for oral interest. That's yeah. pretty good. And he like does it, it later. Here's another scratch. The old helicopter scratch. What is that? What is that? Sound? I don't know. I, it's hard so, to say. By the way, that could be. I'm sure somebody in the comments will let us know. Yeah. Oh man, come on. Uh, but <laughs> that's that's what the comments sound like to me. But uh, sometimes as a DJ, you get those 
you used to get records and now it's like an mp3 file of just like sound effects and just right. like a person like, so yeah i got it that's right <laughs> it's like acapella is anonymous uh, yeah yeah and, there's and, a famous you could just scratch on those dj tool records they were, they were yeah fun. exactly they're dj tools yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna say some of my favorite fill-ins for when we get to the vocal section okay. no problem. and there so, there's two in particular that i'm are so funny to me and exciting to, to present there you go um but let's finish up with some of these instruments we talked about the Herbie Hancock loop, so I won't play that again. But I will mention, by the way, the Bring Down the Birds, which is the core of the song. It does bear mentioning that this is Ron Carter on bass, who any Tribe fan will know because he appears on Low End Theory. Um, and he is, I just learned, according to the Guinness Book of World Record, he is the most recorded jazz bassist in history. Oh. Uh, yeah, so this, that's, that's him playing that Herbie Hancock bass line. Okay, so what's interesting about the song, we've talked about Bootsy a few times. Now we get to just pause and talk about Bootsy's importance to not just the song, but to the genre of funk oh, yeah. in general. Now, Bootsy Collins, we've been alluding to him. He is the voice on this record, which is funny because he's actually one he's of the greatest bass players. <laughs> yeah, he's got that like... like Baby Bubba. I don't even know how you describe that voice. It's kind of cartoon. He's like he's, he's kind of a living he's cartoon. A car- he's yeah. a cartoon character in the in the yeah. most respectful, yeah. cool no, he way does it that on I purpose. can say he's a cartoon. Yeah. I mean, like... You know, you look at him in the early days with with Parliament and Funkadelic, like he's he's Bootsy, and yeah. you know, thank God, you know, we still have this institution. Oh, and thank God he met George Clinton, right? So he starts out with his brother. He's playing for James Brown's band for not very long. Like that's where he gets his start. I think he's eighteen or nineteen. It's only eleven months, but he's doing like get. He does Sex Machine, Super Bad, Soul Power, like some of the like the classic tracks of that era, which is the best James Brown era. But, um, you know, when he's in that band, he meets some other band members. He meets members when he's with James Brown. He meets Fred Wesley yeah. on trombone. He, he meets Maceo Parker and uh, the on, horny on horns. sax, the horny horns. And when one day Lady Miss Keir, before they're signed, he she sends just a fan letter to Bootsy Collins saying, we love you. I think she sends a demo version. Oh, that makes so much she sense. Sends, she sends their demo to him and he says, he writes back <laughs> and says, look, if you're ever in the studio, give me a call. And she's elated. She does a dance. And one day that call comes because they get signed <laughs> to Elektra. They groove is in the heart. They're recording it. They're like, let's call Bootsy. Bootsy's like, yeah, I'm down. That's and he comes so cool. in. He puts on that vocal track, which we'll play some isolated in a minute. He does not play bass. Interestingly enough, Makes sense. yeah, nobody's playing bass. He's on not this. playing. There's no bass needed because we got Ron <laughs> right. Carter already. Already on got the, track. the sample. Yep. But he does bring Fred and Maceo, Maceo from the Horny Horns. That's fantastic. So the only music added to samples and vocals that are original are the Horny Horns, and here they are. Here's the horn line. Take it away, Maceo and Fred. It's funny because to my ear, we talked about this on another episode, like in the mix, which I'll play for you now, mm-hmm. it's it's blending with another line. So the melody that I had heard in my head was different because when you hear it together, it sounds like yeah. this. I thought it was dun 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 but it's just a fraction of that. Uh, but I'm, but I'm. Now hold that strawberry alarm in its correct position. And you know why? I'm just seeing it now because the, that horn line is interplaying with this sample. It's just that, and then the horn plays, and then this happens. So I'll just play them together. That's so cool. You can tell that Maceo and Fred were listening to the track and being like, you know, let's play where there isn't something already and give it like a dialogue. So I'll now play those two things together. So it's almost like they're responding to another band member, mm-hmm. but it's Ron Carter, you know, recorded 15 years yeah. earlier. Uh, by the way, that that was my favorite part of the horns. That that's so great. That little line that this really is, makes it's it. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, um, I'm embarrassed to say that, but you know, it was a function of my age. The first time I ever. <laughs> Saw Bootsy was probably in this video. Oh, definitely me too. And the first time, where I had ever, he been for ten years? The first time I ever <laughs> heard the phrase "horny horns" was <laughs> in a Paula Abdul song. Um, I mean, in a funky way, ah, horny horns. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "What is she talking about?" But by the way, that was also like an early house song that I feel like could have easily been played in some of these, not the most underground, but like sort of like pop underground. New York house music parties at that period. Yeah, here it comes. (laughs) 
That's so funny. I've never heard this song. It's so funny hearing it is that like it's so contextually a house track that could not exist without <laughs> Delight and Vogue coming before it Absolutely. to sort of steer the ship on what the housiness is. This the sounds like the combo. Paula Abdul that was probably going to the Glam Slam mm-hmm. and like oh, right. trying to like get Prince to write yes, her I hear that too. You're right. next album. And uh, and I love that. Like that's like that's like the fun piano driven yes. early 90s house music that you know was just kind of on our radar we didn't know there was a whole culture that went with it but like i i hear it on uh, madonna's deeper and deeper totally you know great yeah. track um somebody should somebody should bring that sound back because it's it's it, that it's very, very specific catchy. pop house overlap where it's, it's not being house. spun in the deep house clubs at three in the morning necessarily maybe for fun it is actually <laughs> but it's not like one of those early masters at work like you know no. seminal tracks it's, or, it's little, not little little Vega, Vega, yeah. but but it was the house that made it to you know a relatively yeah. uh not Top suburban 40. house but like a house in zone four in atlanta in the early okay. 90s <laughs> where where i was listening not everything in this song is a sample. That's very true. Somebody did actually go into the studio. Lady this Cure. Um, what do you have from her? Yeah, we've got the, all the vocals um, that are, well, I, I'm already going to edit what I just said. Half of the vocals, all of the like <laughs> melodic vocals, I should say, uh-huh. come from Lady Miss Keir. And then there's these wonderful, There's there are two different raps happening. And I've got some outtakes from that, from Bootsy's rap that wasn't fully used. And uh, of course, Q-Tip, we're going to hear from him. But then the other half of the song's vocals are from these wonderful samples. And some of them are amazing. Yeah. And these are the little interspersed fill-ins that I was mentioning before. Awesome. So all together, they comprise the vocals. Let's start with Lady Miss Keir. The chills that you spill up my back Keep me filled with satisfaction when we're done Satisfaction of what's to come I couldn't ask for another Man, those vocals are actually... I don't want to say that they're better. I always knew she could sing, but like yeah. they actually sound like more robust and, and, and sexy it's than really I expected. really rich, right? Yeah, really warm, really, really cool. rich. And she's... It's really fun sounding too. Like that's There's just so many a big sounds part of this in the track. song. I guess you you can actually forget that at the heart of it is actually a really good yes vocal. The song singer. would not work yeah. if it was just all these incredible samples. Yeah. It would. It's it's Lady Miss Keir is the heartbeat of all of it. Yeah, and and totally. of course the lyrics and the message. You know mm. she's always her the the album is called World Click and so much about who she is as a person as an individual is there's so much virtue and beauty and like love that comes from her she talks about on the record you know that the world is a global village (laughs) there's songs on later records about like global warming she's very much kind of bringing a message which actually now i think about it is a very kind of hippie message (laughs) right it brings that into the music so well let's just play a few more moments of that delicious iconic vocal i'm just never going to stop saying iconic just stop trying to make me Groovers in the heart, groovers in the heart, groovers in the heart, groovers in the heart. <laughs> Is that everybody's favorite part, that little swoop? No, groove! That little swoop <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. in the fourth repeat. The whole repeat. thing works. Yeah, the whole thing I works. Mean, it's beautiful. What a freaking good voice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's... That's maybe the part I did not anticipate about yeah. actually hearing this. You know, it's funny. I've been thinking about this band a little bit because you can go back on YouTube. There's all this great like live footage of them. So their earliest performances are all these sort of East Village like nightclubs. You know what I mean? Like this is a band that forms out of dance music, which reminds mm-hmm. me a little bit of the Massive Attack story. Yeah, there's right? a lot of overlap. This is a DJ centric. Yeah artist entity where they're Mm -hmm. writing songs that are sort of poppy but it's coming from a dj perspective of piecing together with the skills that they have and 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 the instruments and the the same period samplers they have roughly the the same period but also the performance is taking place not in a rock band setting but in a a dancing setting in it's open air i suppose in jamaica and in the massive attack bristol example but here this is a east village nightclub and it's the classic live pa situation where you've got a backing track, you've got lots of dancers. Mm-hmm. It's really about the show and the song. It's not to say it's secondary, but it's a little bit secondary. You're in this gay nightclub in the late 80s, and it's a big show, and there's 20 people on stage having uh-huh. a blast. And um, I was just struck by how that kind of reminds me. You mentioned B-52s. They have a party background, too. Yeah. Um, later on, Scissor Sisters. parties in Athens, Georgia. Scissor Sisters have a similar beginning. East Village. I, it wouldn't shock me. Yeah. In fact, yeah. I'd love to do a Scissor Sisters episode because yeah. that first album was, was it's so mind-blowing. Great. So it's cool. so great. And um, very similar beginnings where it's East Village. It's backing track with like 
performance more than it is like we're a band and we're rocking you. Yeah. So it's interesting the connection between all of those bands. Absolutely. Did you want to play another vocal? Yeah, let's keep it going. Um, maybe this is everyone's favorite part, the Horton Hears a Who. <laughs> The depth of Hula Groove moves us to the end hoop. We're going through to Horton Hears a Hoo. <laughs> you want to hear that with a, with a harmony? Let's, let's layer that a little bit. The depth of Hula Groove moves us to the end hoop. We're going through to Horton Hears a Hoo. Now, I will say, I don't know what I thought she was saying. I definitely didn't hear anything about the nth hoop. And I definitely didn't catch Horton Hears a Who. So, you know, uh, we didn't have the internet, guys. Like, it was so easy to You're just, just sing whatever you, you thought guessing. the person was singing back just phonemes. then. Just ba 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 boo All right, so the thing I want to play next is Q-Tip's verse. But before we get into that, Diallo... I know you're a fan. We're both fans of Tribe Called Quest, but yeah. you're an especially deep fan. So please talk to me about Q-Tip. Well, look, I mean, um, this is not going to be our Tribe Called Quest episode. Obviously, we're both we will be big doing fans. One. We will definitely we're going to do one once in the work. But uh, to me, this is a part of what Q-Tip has has done for so long, um, which is he jumps from genre to genre, and he he shows up in just some amazing songs. He, you know, this was one of the first times, obviously, that we got to see his versatility. Um, this song came out before Low End Theory, which is kind of blows my mind. But, um, you know, I think about the song Bang, Bang, Bang that he did with Mark Ronson. On the plane, on the brain, about to do the show. 40K contract, take it out the dope. Dice symbolize my life, roll them on the floor. From your grubby hands as you ham and grandstand, you live a sh- uh, A little party never killed nobody off of the Great Gatsby soundtrack. I think it was like a Fergie song, but of course Q-Tip came on for the lyrics. I just, I find him to be a music fan yeah. like us. Yeah, yeah. And so it doesn't surprise me that he's an early adopter of the idea that a rapper can show up on anything, an R&B song. He can produce, he produced, you know, like he was, uh, I believe the producer on the first two hip hop songs that he ever popped up on the, the Jungle Brothers uh I think he produced two songs for them and and had his own verse on those even before People's Instinctive Travels. So, you know, Q-Tip that's he came is up just, with the name for the band, right? In that verse? Something, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. That's where he renames the, the group Tribe Called Quest. So yeah. I think that, you know, and he produces so many of the, when, when you discover that Q-Tip is actually the force behind some of the most artistically sampling hip hop uh, tracks that a Tribe Called Quest has released. Um, the fact that he remixed Nas and he remixed so many people in the 90s and, and the 2000s, you know, before he ever gets to even vibrant thing. Yeah. Special girl, real good girl. Biggest thing in my itty bitty world. Call her up and she made me feel right. Wish the bliss could never take flight. Um, which is enjoying a second life right now as the sample basis of a dance track uh, called Dust. Um right now in 2024 he's just he's got that versatility and he knows how to come in and do hip-hop on a song that may not technically be hip-hop but make it feel like it's hip-hop and and i'm just always been a supporter i'm gonna give a shout out real quick to his uh solo album which was uh called kamal the abstract and there was a song on there called even if it is so which i just every time i hear it it, it gives me chills it's just one of those great hip-hop songs maybe he, we he can... has so much work that i haven't even like delved into which is yeah. true of so many of my favorite artists i haven't heard every david bowie song but like i got it i'm gonna check that out he, I he's heard just that. firmly this new york guy yeah you know this rapper who you know if if he had been alive at the time he would have done the rap verse on blondie's the rapture you know what i yeah, mean yeah. like he's just that guy <laughs> that's you know what it's interesting you said that because the backstory about how he got connected to this song i'll tell you just really quickly the story that lady miss Kier herself tells is um she said, this is before Tribe blew up. Yeah. He was hanging with the Jungle Brothers, and we opened for them one time yeah. at a club called Hotel Amazon. We played that song live, and he asked if he could do 16 bars on it. Uh, I also heard, yeah. I mean, maybe it's the same story, but I also heard that Tawate uh, knew Africa Baby Bomb, uh, who is a maybe, member yeah. of the Jungle Brothers. Maybe that's and, the connection. They, maybe that's that, that maybe how yeah. they, they were on that show together. That would yeah. make sense. Well, the other story, which we're about to hear the, the bars themselves, Dimitri explains how when he came into the studio, all he had was a notepad. He just started writing. This is a quote from, from DJ Dimitri from Delight. Um, As we were laying down Bootsy's part, he started writing. He just listened to the song and said, give me 15 minutes. <laughs> and then he goes in and he lays down the rap and the backup vocal 
two takes and he was in and he was out. There you go. There you go. Let's hear a little bit of that. Flowing, glowing with electric eyes. You dip to the die, baby, you'll realize. Baby, you'll see the funk inside of me. Baby, you'll see that rhythm is a key. Get, get witty, witty, can't think, quitty, quitty. Stomp on a stoop when I hear a funk loop. Playing Pop Piper, follow Hood's troop. Baby, just sing about the groove. <laughs> Man, you know, people think they can rap until you try and do rap <laughs> at like karaoke night. And then you realize, oh, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> it takes so much breath control and... Uh, you know, with nothing else around it, you realize just how difficult it would be to both write that and to perform. I'm not hearing any punching in and out. That's not, that is the one take <laughs> no, that we were told take. just took place. That's there, amazing. Here's the, here's, By the way, I think growing up, the only part I knew was, baby, just sing about, about the, the groove. groove. Yeah, just know how it ends. <laughs> I think I, I remember Electric Torso. I remember thinking that was kind of like a cool thing. Well, and just for fun, here is some of the, here is his second take where he does the back, where he's responding to yeah, his yeah, first yeah. take. Uh, Something lurks in this torso. Yeah. Heart got a deal you wanna know. Wanna know. Delightful. Truly delightful. Life Making it, doing it, especially at a show. show. Feeling kinda high like, like a like Hendrix haze. haze. Music makes motions, moves like a maze. Me. All inside of Side. me. Heart especially. Yeah. Help of the rhythm. And by the way, another cool thing that I hope people notice there is like he's not even doing like, you know, A, A, B, B, C, C rhyme scheme. Like there are times when like he goes half a bar and then rhymes it. Like that's something that I equate more with like Nas. You know, about three years after this, song, right? Yeah, who right. would like cut the bar in half and then just make it rhyme with that first half right. of that one bar and like maybe a little Rakim in there too. He's doing it right here. Yeah. Well, the thing about Rakim is that I think that you know he's more like what I feel like people thought rap was and KRS One, like it was like hard. <laughs> And Q-Tip is really one of those first. Obviously, there's Slick Rick. There are a lot of people who are rapping smooth, but like, but the abstract poet, aka Q-Tip, aka Kamal, uh, he was really rhyming smooth early on, and I, and it's easy to forget that he's one of the first people to do that. It's incredible. Yeah, such a great verse. What a perfect segue into uh, the third, but not least important voice on this record, which is Bootsy himself, yeah. who interjects all these really crucial... We're talking about the fill-ins with the samples. He does the same kind of thing with his little silly interjections. <laughs> so let's yeah, play yeah. a few of those. Let's hear him. Let me give you a plug, sweet lips, while I'm on the air. Now bend over my body and uh, rub your fingers through my hair. Your mouth run like water. A very beautiful sight. Now put on my favorite group. Uh, they call themselves uh, Delight. Now, I have never heard that in that, my life. I think that's is not that on the final. The song? That's not in the song, but that is oh. on some of the remixes used some of his... I was like, some of that his... shit must be way buried in the mix. <laughs> no, no, no. It, it's not in the final version, but it is... Uh, that was used in one of the like remixes, I believe. Yeah, no, Bootsy's got a whole rap, actually. He's got several different sections of the song that he just kind of writes his own little poetry like that. <laughs> Your wish is my command as the magic flow through my hand. I'd like to take this moment to make a rendezvous with you. Uh, tis the season to be funky. Not that I'm an oversex junkie. I just want to make contact and then chill and a... Uh... Why didn't they include that stuff? <laughs> a lot of that stuff went to the 12-inch. I think they just they were like, you know, we can't put it in the single mm-hmm. version. They ended up just using his little, like, moments like... That's the truth. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dig. Right. It's yeah, literally that dig. That's, dig. How it's, that's so crucial, though. Just this one minute. Dig. I remember it. That's memorable. I remember Watch Out. <laughs> Is that the next one? Let's see. No, that's right. I remember that one, too. Astronomical. <laughs> I never what does he say he there? That's astronomical. Oh, I thought Ast- he said something about a monocle. Astronomical. <laughs> There's the gold right there. Astronomical. But, but for the record, he's it sounds like he says astronomical. Listen to it again. <laughs> astronomical. There's a distinct M sound in there. But, it's, but there is no word. <laughs> no, I know. I, I'm saying I think it's a flub. But it's, it's hilarious. And it's awesome. Astronomical. <laughs> yeah. Bounce that body. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. There's not a dud in here. It's all gold. <laughs> yeah. Bounce that body. Uh, groove is in the heart. I think they used that. Succotash. I never thought of Succotash as being filthy, yeah. but now I'm going to think twice about ordering And then, it. of course, the song ends with... <laughs> Come on, y'all. Y'all are crazy, man. Lots of, lots of really... He sounded like he was ready there. to get out of there and get to the club. <laughs> He's like, was that, was that cool? <laughs> are we done yet? Because <laughs> I've given you my best. <laughs> Now, we can't conclude the samples without 
as promised, getting to some of those little fill-ins that are from these random Exotica and 60s records that are part of the vocal, but are actually samples. They're not musical samples. They're little thingy samples. One of my favorite samples is, of course, we all know that I couldn't dance with another. Yeah, what is that? So that this is a really fun ah, sample ah, 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 ah. because it actually comes from this. This is the Green Acres theme from 1966. And that little moment is Eva Gabor right here. So remember that sound? Is that Eva or Jaja? I think that's Jaja Gabor. That's Eva Gabor. Okay. And in the mix, they've taken that and they've done a kind of classic early sampling thing where you just go, I, 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 I. It's a sampler. That's, yeah, that's, that's awesome. Akai, the $500 yeah. that she found in the back of the cab. It's made so went many to, hits. Went to sampling Ava Gabor from Green <laughs> Acres and doing, I. And then more importantly, which is so like two of hearts, I need you, which had already come out, which by the way, I, 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 I need you. Just wow. Connection, right? I love it. I mean, there's something about a good sampler used as a percussive instrument that will never get old. Because Stacy, Right? That I, 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 I trope came from 1986's Stacy Q hit. Two of Hearts. But I mean, hip hop was doing it before Stacey Q. There's an I, 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 I trope. No, what I'm saying, like taking a sample on a sampler. And yeah. No, I'm just saying, like, the, the trope of it being the word I. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's sort of a fun connection yeah, that yeah, I, yeah. I just drew there. Um, so that's coming from Green Acres, the TV show. And uh, this other sample, if you've got children, cover their ears just for the next little moment because. What I have been in my notes, I call the motorboat sound. I'll play it for you in the mix. Um, has a pretty funny origin, but it is a little bit not safe for work. Okay. <laughs> and the source is going to blow your mind Uh-oh. and offend your children. <laughs> Guys, turn it off. <laughs> Dad says turn it off. Uh, this is a track called Hateful Head Helen by Sweet Pussy Pauline. And the song is what, called Work This what Pussy. What genre of the music is this? The song is called Work This Pussy. And I got they used the acapella because this came from a house Obviously. record. So they had the acapella, which I'll play for you now, which is even it's even better. They want to put their face in our asses and go but they don't know how to ask. Never get tired. I mean, the, con- the context, that's the best sample again, context. I feel like this whole song. I've ever heard. I, I, Name I, a better sample I context. Even, I'll wait. I can't even. Mine <laughs> Green, is you thought Green Acres was great? Oh, Green Acres. I think Green Acres is still probably my preferred. But I will say this. <laughs> uh, this, to me, this whole song seems like a collage of like albums and, and, and songs that uh, Dimitri and maybe Tawate as well were playing in Absolutely. their set. Yeah, and they're let's, like, let's take our favorite moments from like all these, this word, because this beat. You're absolutely this, right. This because, hand clap, because this tambourine. Physically, their ability to do that yeah. existed with the record they already owned and were playing and the sampler. Suddenly it's like, we can make music now with these tools. By the way, we haven't even mentioned it. They were they were playing and performing the song as early as 1989. Yeah. So like this is a song they probably crafted in 1988, which is which is nuts. That's right. Which That's is right. nuts. They were crafting it, and then the final icing on the cake. Well, was, if I may, was work this pussy acapella. <laughs> there you go. You, I think you just like <laughs> looking me in my eye and saying this. <laughs> um, now for the part for the sample I'm most excited about. Uh, the one part of this song that I, I even my young brain knew had to be a sample. Um, but back in the pre-internet days, we had no way of looking up what a sample, you know, but I could tell it came from another song. Right. And it's the very beginning of the song is, would you like to dance? And Uh. like, it's so a part of this song, but... It you're leads in the whole play. vibe, and you're absolutely right to point out that it because it is the beginning of the song, it instantly gives you the vibe for the song. And you could tell it like that it's again, old, it's kind of weird. Like I, I, I hadn't DJed before, I could tell this sounded like a record skipping. Mm-hmm. You know, it sounded like a very clear loop. Yeah, um, I am so thrilled to share this with you guys because I can guarantee a lot of you have not looked this song up before. <laughs> I know I haven't. 
Luxury, will you please play us the song they sampled for the first sample in the song? This is from the album, The Art of Belly Dancing, 1969. <laughs> Love it. Belshazzar, Tommy Genapopoulos, and the Grecian Knights. We're going to dance and exercise and have some fun so that you will fully enjoy yourself. How about getting into some loose clothing? <laughs> I mean, I'm going to say right now, listen to this on YouTube. It is such a cool, cool song. Uh, shout out to all the belly dancers out there. <laughs> I, I wish I had known we this We have a lot song. of belly dancers I would have mixed this in to some of my DJ sets early it's on. Because the song is incredible. It is really cool. It's just the nature of, of music law. We can't play that much of the song here on the show. But when the show's over, please go off and listen to it. It's a really cool song. Right. Well, now's as good a chance as any to plug our one song playlist, which does exist on Spotify. We, we forget to mention it almost every episode, but we do have every song we play on the episode in, in one easy to use playlist format. So just go to Spotify and search one song. I added the word interpolation there to the title to make it easily found. And uh, <laughs> yeah, you can just relive both the episode and then listen to all the songs afterwards. Right? I, I need a catchphrase. Yeah. I need a catchphrase. Every, you know what? We're, we're not catchphrase balanced right now. I think your catchphrase is shout out. Like last time we talked <laughs> about it. That is not my... But then you I went on in the episode to tagged. use shout out many times in that same episode. Not, not, well, my, it, my the, tag is the not. burden of, of effort is on you to come up with the better No, I, I think it's on the listeners. Listeners, DM me. Um, <laughs> what, on Instagram, what should Diallo's catchphrase Diallo, be? D-I-A-L-L-O. And tell me, what my, tell me what my catchphrase should be. I need a catchphrase. Maybe that they should demand, maybe there should be some sort of like, I don't know, prize, prize? for the yes. best. We'll come up with a prize. What the prize the be? person with the winning catchphrase. Uh, if their name mentioned we're gonna, the We're, we're going to not only mention your name, but we're going to get you something nice. All right, so Diallo, D-Light are sometimes categorized as a one-hit wonder, which rubs me the wrong way a little bit, but I understand where they would get that impression. This is a monster hit, and there wasn't really anything after this that was quite as monstrous. Mm. So neither of us think that's fair. We'll, we'll talk about that in a minute, but let me ask you this. Yeah. What other acts are unfairly categorized as one-hit wonders? Let's set the record straight. Oh, well, you know, I actually have a, a little bit of an issue with the phrase one-hit wonder. Yeah. I, obviously, there are some bands and artists for which this is true, it usually right, said comes... Fred, we're looking at you. <laughs> but, you know, I did some research on this matter, right? And uh, Rolling Stone did a list of, like, the top ten one-hit wonders where they listed Delight alongside, like, Chumbawamba and Harvey Danger. No, no, no. I'm like, Not you fair. know, by the way, the same list had The Verve. It had... Um, House of Pain. I'm not even the biggest House of Pain fan, yeah, but, but like that first album was actually really good, and the second album had some had some, basically some other groups. And I was just like, what? I feel like one hit wonder usually comes from a place of ignorance. I think I've seen Blur on these lists, by the yeah. way. Yeah, I've seen Blur song two on these lists. It's insane to me. It's it's very, to me, like were they big enough in the United States? Because yeah. usually it's an artist who had a very full and happy career, uh, not on these shores. So. I don't know if I believe in one-hit wonders as, as applied here, but I will turn the question. I don't think of D-Light as a one-hit wonder. Um, maybe a one-album wonder? Is that yeah. a They've fair got, thing? Well, but but I'm asking you. I agree. So I, I, I'm going to build on what you say. I think the phenomenon of calling it a one-hit wonder speaks to the, the speaker of that sentence, not yeah. necessarily being a musician or right. even an artist themselves, because it implies that it's just the numerical value of units shipped yeah. or chart positions that determines the validity. Because to call somebody a one-hit wonder is to demean them. It's essentially <laughs> it to say definitely pejorative. you only did one thing that was important and yeah. everything after that doesn't matter, which I find like kind of offensive as an artist. <laughs> so, you know, the thing specifically with Delight I can address is, again, the album itself. First of all, Power of Love is arguably as good, if not a better. That's the song I'm more likely to DJ, for example, than Groove is in the Heart. Um, so the whole record, though, World Click has lots of bangers on it. And I bought the two follow-ups. And um, the second one was a bit, I will admit, I wasn't so crazy about the second record when it came out. It was a bit disappointing. But the third record is incredible. And I'm going to play something for from that record a little bit later on the episode. But, you know, D-Light, <laughs> I think, certainly peaked with this song in terms of their global appeal and their ability to get, you know, booked for shows, etc. It's definitely the case that when I've tracked their post-band 
experiences. It seems like Toa Tay has had a, a pretty good career. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like that's the that's my other problem with calling them one hit wonders yeah. because you know the individual pieces of this band have gone on to that's do right. such great stuff. You know, one song that I wanted to play. Uh, is Tawate's Technova. Oh, perfect. Because, I was you know, it's, it's, it's a very catchy tune. Some of the people listening will probably know it. Bebel Gilberto. It's, it's, yeah, and by the way, or, you know, let's, let's hear a little bit of that. So good. This is so the sound of 1994 or whatever. Mid-90s. Like, it's such a great song. And by the way, just to close the that loop on too. that, oh, so yeah. Q-Tip comes on Groove is in the heart. Tawate releases that song, Technova, and then Q-Tip finds a way. Interpolation. <laughs> he finds a way. Well, here, check this out. He finds a way to sample it for the song Find a Way, and it's part of a special genre of hip-hop where I love that they sample something, and the thing that they're saying is not what is technically being said. I'll, right. I'll explain it on the other side. Check this out. Now you caught my heart for the evening. Kiss my cheek, move in, you confuse things. Should I just sit out or come harder? Tell me So I'm sure you can hear the sample in there. Um, she's singing in Portuguese. You know, she's she's a Brazilian singer. I love that Fife is singing English words that sound kind of like what right. she's singing, but it's not at all what yeah. she's singing. It's and, a um, sample and an interpolation happening at the same time. <laughs> yeah. So Tawa, I mean, sorry, Toate, uh, we sort of, we followed his career. Yeah. By the way, he's come out with some really good albums in just the last three years. He comes out with an album almost every year uh, recently. I would say uh, go check him out. One of those albums is called LP. It's a really good album. We're checking out. Where I think he's got other... a glasses line, too. No, he's, he's, he's got those iconic glasses. Stuff. I think he puts out his own glasses. I now. believe it. <laughs> uh, and he lives in like a really remote part of Japan now. He lives the life. He just puts out oh, albums, man. and he lives in this mountainous region. I think it's uh, Nagano. Oh, wow. Um, it's like it's the only part. It's like the furthest part of Japan from the ocean in any wow. direction. So he's as far Sounds from the cool. ocean. He just listens to his get. records all day and makes design sunglasses. <laughs> really cool <laughs> records. Check out LPs. I think it's 2021s. What about Super DJ Dimitri? So I mean, I, I looked into what happened to Lady Miss Kier and, and Dimitri. They don't really have much of an internet presence after a certain point, mm -hmm. but I know that Lady Miss Kier has been DJing for many years. That's sort of her I primary thing. I know she's like thing, got a very like around. activist streak. Very big activist very streak. Absolutely there. right. So she's continuing yeah. the sort of same philosophy that she's always been doing. Yeah. She's just making art in the world, sort of touring, doing DJ stuff. That's and great. Um, it's kind of funny because I was I was looking at what happened to DJ Dimitri. He moved to. Berlin and ended up marrying, I won't say a friend of mine, but someone who I know from the San Francisco scene <laughs> wow. who randomly ended up there, this this woman, Jesse Evans, who's a who's a musician that I remember from San Francisco back in the day, wound up in Berlin and wound up marrying Dimitri Brill, and they have a band together called Naughty Siren. And, uh, so he's still, yeah, he's still in band. He's still making music. And, That's amazing. Uh, yeah, Good for him. Yeah, doing it in Berlin. I love that. Yeah. So all of them, you know, doing well, and, uh, you know, if they ever reach out to the show, maybe we'll have them on. Sounds That'd good. Be We'd really love to cool. have them on. Okay. Uh, before we go, we're going to do one more song. This is the part of the show where we share a new song with you, the One Song Nation, um, and with each other a lot of times, because obviously I don't know what you're going to share. You don't know what I'm going to share. Uh, Luxury, you go first. What do you got for me? Well, as I promised, uh, you know, Delight's third record in particular, it's called Dew Drops in the Garden. That was so slept on. And like, I, I actually returned to that record a lot. Like, mm. over the years, just like it dawns on me, like, I want to hear, especially this song in particular, which is called Apple Juice Kissin'. <laughs> it's just a really fun song. And it reminds, it's a very New York in the summer kind of song. It has that vibe going for it. Okay. I just, one thing that's fun about that song is, you know, this song, Groove is in the Heart, was one of the first songs where we, we've talked about how we had in our, you know, we were younger then. We didn't necessarily know how music was made, but we recognized that there were samples in it. Mm -hmm. That was the beginning of that mode where I was starting to be like, well, what, what was the sample? Where did it come from? And of course, kids today don't know. There was no Who Sampled back then. There was no right. YouTube. There was no Shazam. So sometimes in life, you would just go for months or years, and then you'd be in a cafe and you'd hear the break in the full song that it came yeah. from and you just add well this is me i would say you one would i would add that to yeah, my mental rolodex yeah. yeah i would add that to my mental rolodex so um 
I just bring that up because this song has a couple of really fun connections I'll quickly take you to. One is that introduction comes from this song by The Clash. This is Armageddon Time. Which is a cover of this song by Willie Williams. Which, last but not least, relies on the rhythm from this famous song, which is called Real Rock, Sound Dimension. This is a classic, Studio One classic. So this is the fourth and final layer of that song. And I actually lied, there's a fifth layer, but I'm not going to get into it. But just part of what I love about the phenomenon of sampling is the storytelling and the layers. And over the years, you start to be like, oh, wait, and you hear a new thing that connects it to the previous thing. So I didn't know some of these layers until many years later. But Delight, I have to thank for being one of the first bands that unlocked the beauty of sampling for me outside of hip hop. That's really cool. Diallo, what about you? Do you have a one more song for me? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we were talking about Q-Tip earlier, and I revisited his... uh you know, one of his later albums, uh, solo albums. And uh, I might have even mentioned it uh, earlier in the show, but the name of the song is Even If It Is So. And uh, it's one of those songs that I think is just, it builds, it builds, and it's just wonderful. And uh, this is uh, Q-Tip, a.k.a. Kamal, and the song is Even If It Is So. She in the back room, reason up, Friday night is so that snippet won't really do it justice you have to sort of listen to the whole i think it's about a six minute track but uh it's really a great song it gives me such joy when i'm reminded that artists that i love have more work that i haven't been exposed to that i haven't (laughs) heard yet so like i'm so excited to go and dig deep into kamal's kamal's career yeah and and I, I assure you that at some point we will uh, do a Tribe Call Quest episode. I worked with uh, uh, Q-Tip on the Maya Rudolph show uh, briefly, middle of last decade. So if we can get him on the show, we will do that. And oh, that would, that would be, be a dream. Absolutely. Insane. Absolutely. Come on the show, Q-Tip. As always, if you have an idea for one more song, reach out to us. Uh, the best way to reach me is on Instagram. I am at D-I-A-L-L-O. Uh, and on TikTok, I am at Diallo Riddle. And I am at Luxury, L-U-X-X-U-R-Y on Instagram or at Luxury XX on TikTok. As always, we love it. If you like the show, please tell your friends, share it with them, give it five stars and a nice review. It really helps. <laughs> really helps. If you're going to give us one star, just don't. don't <laughs> Every don't, episode, don't we're going to complain me, about the one star. It was just one dude one time. <laughs> and it's so annoying because we're like 4.9 on all the platforms. <laughs> Oh, that guy. And he was wrong. He was was wrong wrong about the Beatles. He was wrong. All right. uh, Help me in this thing, Luxury. All right. Well, I am producer, DJ, musicologist, Luxury. (laughs) And I'm actor, writer, director, and sometimes DJ, Diallo Riddle. And this is one song. We will see you next time. This episode was produced by Matthew Nelson with engineering from Marcus Hom. Additional production from so uh, addition, additional production support from Casey Simonson. The show is executive produced by Kevin Hart, Mike Stein, Brian, Brian. Mike Stein, Brian Smiley, Eric Eddings, Eric Weil, and Leslie Guam. Hey, I'm Paul Shear. I'm June Diane Raphael. And I'm Jason Manzukis. And we're the hosts of How Did This Get Made, a comedy podcast where we deconstruct, make fun of, and celebrate the best, worst movies ever made. Have you ever seen a movie that's so bad that it's actually good? Eh, that's what we're talking about. From blockbuster franchises and made-for-TV romances. To bonkers 80s action flicks and obscure sci-fi musicals, we cover it all. You can find How Did This Get Made wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow the show so you never miss an episode, idiot. You haven't heard about the McCrispy yet. Well then, you probably haven't heard the sweet silence after the first crispy bite either. Go try it for yourself to hear the best not sound you've ever heard.